0: A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW reporting were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions
1: 18. Plus. Hello, I'm George Cup. And I'm Callum Gur. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged.
2: Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station.
1: Good evening, this is To Be Discussed with Carpenter, a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Carpenter and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Hello everybody, that's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue conservative,
2: whereas I'm a Lib Dem and Ramona, but despite these different standpoints we are still very good friends. Tonight we'll be discussing the following, if a political party campaigns in your area, does it make you more likely to vote for them? Which is the best social media platform and has smoking become unfashionable? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk and these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic.
1: But first, last week we asked you to send us in your opinions on what the scariest film you have watched and why. I just want to give a little bit of context around why we've asked this question. So last week, Callum, our mate Tom... And I decided to go to the cinema and watch a film called Pet Cemetery, a horror film based on a book written by Stephen King. And honestly, I think I speak for Callum and probably most of the cinema when I say it was rather scary. Uh, This brought us onto this question and our first message comes from Claudia and she says it ticks all the boxes for me. It's the first horror film I was able to watch in the cinema because it was an 18 and it was so good. I think seeing horror films in the cinema makes it so much scarier anyway because it's so much louder and it's on a big screen. But it freaks me out so much. I hate clowns anyway, but it takes it to a whole different level. Also, there were so many twists and turns that just as soon as you thought you... As soon as you thought it was settling down, something else terrifying happened. Well... I mean, firstly, I would just say, if you don't like clowns, I wouldn't go and see it. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good
2: point, George. I, I mean, do, do you find clowns scary generally, George? I mean, I know me and you uh... both went and saw it, um, but do you find clowns scary? Because I know a lot of people do, but it's not something that I can say that I've ever really find, found them particularly frightening.
1: So I, I'm going to let everyone into a little secret here. When I was younger, I used to be scared like anything um, of people that used to dress up in in costumes or had face paint on. And I used to cry and hide hide under the table. Um, now, luckily, since I've grown up, I don't have that fear anymore, but I, w- I am still very cautious of those that are dressed up especially as clowns as well i mean i can see why clowns are a scary kind of figure um and, and character i just i think they're so creepy as well they i just you wouldn't trust them in a room like if it was you and a clown in a room you really wouldn't trust them at all i i i, I just didn't really I, I i enjoyed the film did you enjoy the film yeah, I mean, it was one of my favourite films of, what
2: was it, last year we went to see it, so 2018. Uh, it was it was one of my favourite films. I think, for, for me, I found large parts of it funny, but not the parts that were um, the actual horror bits, whereas I, I have seen other films that are horrors, but I just find them so unbelievable. I just find them funny anyway, but I, I think mm. the actual horror parts of it, um, were really suspenseful and they did kind of get you a little bit. Um, but there was yeah. a real bit, real um, lot of light relief in there. Which, if you compare to Pet Cemetery, which again based upon a Stephen King, um, book Pet Cemetery's got no light relief in there at all. Um, you know, it's all takes itself very, very seriously. So I found it really refreshing. Um, in that it didn't take itself too seriously the parts outside of the horror theater made sense and it felt really real the kind of the kids reactions to the horror that was unfolding i think mm. Mm. um moving on to the next opinion um it's from nada or nada sorry if i pronounced your name wrong uh, and it says i saw get out last year and i thought that was really scary I don't really get scared by things jumping out, and it's not very gory or anything like that, but Get Out is so psychological and it really messes with your mind that I found it pretty terrifying. I actually love this film because it also has a much deeper meaning about race relations, that I thought it was really smart. I don't usually watch scary films, so that is probably the scariest I've watched and my favourite horror film, I mean that's one you've seen, isn't it, George? Because I haven't seen gal so I'm not very qualified to talk about it. That's a film you've seen, is that? Yeah, I...
1: yeah. I mean, Callum, you aren't very qualified to talk about most things on the radio show. But, um, <laughs> it... <laughs> um, no, it's it is a really good film, actually. Um, it's a very interesting film, and, and I think um, it's it's something that it's not a very jumpy film it's more it, it builds up and builds up and builds up and it's there's a lot of plot twists within it um and I do do actually think that there is definitely a bigger kind of um, context around it about around uh, racial beliefs and everything and it, it's a uh, they do definitely hit nail on the head in terms of uh, a clear message that they want to spread about it yeah and it is it, I think I think to be fair I could I can see it happening in a weird way i do believe that it could happen if 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 there was a technology and the money around for things like that to happen i do believe that the concept around get out would would definitely happen i mean is it on your to watch list Callum? is get out on your watch on your watch list yeah definitely because i mean from from
2: my understanding and from what people have said about it and the kind of critic reviews it got it's one of you know the best horror films or or thriller films that there are as such, yeah. Um, certainly yeah. In, in recent years. Um, so I, I always want to go and see good quality horror rather than. Um, I don't stray towards the ones that have had endless sequels because mm. I, I just think after a point they lose kind of their shock factor. Um, I mean, yeah. just kind of going to the question before we go on to the next opinion is pet cemetery then the scariest film you've seen or or what what is another film maybe that is scary uh,
1: i definitely would put it up there i really would i i just i've never been so on the edge of my seat because i really was not expecting i didn't know what to expect next um yeah. and i always feel a lot of horror films now are quite i call it americanized where they are still have a happy ending um where pet cemetery did not have a happy ending at all um yeah. and it was it just it i came out of there speechless and as i'm sure all of you are aware i'm very rarely speechless um <laughs> so no i definitely think it's up there i can't really off the top of my head i can't really think of a scary film that has made me think oh god that i've never watching that again um maybe something it's ghosts actually ghosts are the things that really get me yeah. um De- definitely things like that, like paranormal
2: yeah. activities. Is that what yeah, kind, of, kind
1: you mean? of. Yeah, yeah, definitely kind of things around that. Uh, but what about you, Cullen? Um, so I
2: mean, so yeah, pet cemetery, very, very scary. Um, I did it's definitely up there as you say. Um, a film called Wreck as well that I've seen. Um, that a lot of that is based in the dark and all through kind of night vision goggles of these like soldiers going through. Uh, and there's a lot of kind of jump scares and like a demon like creature in there and, and that does make it scary but i think probably the the film that i was least prepared to be scary because i think when you go to like an 18 a horror you you go in there expecting things to to really get you so you you almost you become desensitized to it um yeah. but i i went to a, a woman in black and i i saw that uh and that was i think it was a 12a and I found that weirdly scary in that I think a lot of it is basically in the dark and there's kind of, there's this one scene where um, there's a photograph taken for, I can't remember the exact context of it, cause seen it in quite a while, but there's a photograph taken and then just in the background is the woman in black as such and, and that kind of um, subtle kind of, Uh, consistency that they have continuing the story from the horror, I find that really jarring so I think that is possibly one of the scariest films that I've seen certainly the scariest 12A I've seen Yeah,
1: absolutely Um, Our next message is from Joseph and he says, for me, nothing beats a classic horror film like Halloween I have a massive phobia of getting chased and that's basically the whole premises of Halloween Um, Running away from Michael Myers so that gives... So that gives me the creep. Also, there's just something about watching an older horror film, which makes it so much scarier to me because, you know, none of it can be CGI because CGI didn't exist back then. The same goes with The Exorcist, which I saw when I was literally 10 years old, which is far too young to see a film like that. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, That gave me nightmares for weeks and weeks and weeks. Well,
2: yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not surprised about that, Joseph, at all. I mean, I haven't actually seen The Exorcist, but I've heard um, horror stories about that, literally. Um, in terms of Halloween, I'm not sure I've seen the first Halloween, but I've seen Halloween H20 or something like that. I think it was 20 years after the original Halloween. Kind of very similar premise. I mean, I don't personally find slasher films that, that scary. Uh, I mean, do you, George? Do you find slasher ones where they're kind of getting chased about um,
1: jarring um, at all? No, I, I, I wouldn't say that. To me, they're necessarily scary. I'd say they're more um, sometimes fun to watch because it's got more action in it. Um, but I do, I do definitely um, back Joseph on saying that oldest older films are can be more scary because there is that element of they are actually more realistic because they've had to put those things in place because um, CGI wasn't a tool to use. Um, So it does make it more realistic, definitely. Um, But I I, I definitely would say to anyone that is um, of the age of 10, not to watch anything that is clearly stated 15 and over or 18 and over.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I don't think we've probably got many 10-year-old listeners, but it's a good You never know. Nonetheless. (laughs) I mean, just very quickly coming on to what you said about, or or what Joseph said about older films as well. Apparently, there's an older version of Pet Cemetery, and this is like the remake as such. Um, And apparently, that's even scarier than the one me and you saw, George. So we will have to catch that. Um, I'm just going to squeeze in one last opinion from Harry. So Harry said, My favourite type of film is psychological thrillers. In my media class this year, we were using The Shining as a reference, so I watched the film. I don't know what it is about that film, because like on the surface, it isn't that scary. Like the plot line isn't typical of a horror film, but I think because it's quite long, it's like two and a half hours long, uh, that you get caught up in the characters so much. Also, Jack Nicholson is such a good actor and makes it scary, alongside the flashback moments and the twin sisters that haunt Danny. It's possibly my favourite film, of all time is that one you've seen george just quite quickly <laughs>
1: no unfortunately uh, the shining is is not a film that i have ever ventured into watch or and it's never really been on my b- bucket list to watch either how about you
2: uh, yeah no i haven't seen it. it it is on my list because it quite consistently comes out as in and in and amongst like the top 50 films of all time or certainly amongst like the top five horror films of all time so definitely one to watch and we'll take your word for that harry
1: absolutely right okay everyone it's now time for our first song break of this evening um, and we'll be back very soon Welcome back. So uh, remember, we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show.
2: Right then, time to move on to our first poll discussion of this evening. And we are asking, if a political party campaigns in your area, does it make you more likely to vote for them? So George and I are both standing uh, in next month's local elections, which means we've both become fairly familiar with political campaigning. By campaigning, we mean dropping leaflets off at people's houses or at a street stall, uh, knocking on people's doors and attending various debates and hustings in the local area. But does any of that actually make a difference to people's voting intentions?
1: George, what do you reckon? Have we been wasting our time? But Callum, I, I really, really hope <laughs> we haven't been wasting our time. Uh, honestly, the amount of work that um, I and I know you have as well um, have been going out cam- campaigning for this local elections is endless. And if it hasn't made it the slightest bit of difference, then I think I will cry. Um yeah. I I do think it's it is very important when it comes down to especially an election like this, which is a local election where um, we are seeing opinions of national um, politics be in in very bad press. And it's it's got to the point where people are having the and, you know, maybe rightly so the opinion that they're just not going to vote at all. And the key thing of being a conservative candidate Um, The key thing that I am trying to put across is that these are the local elections and this is a local. These are about local issues, not about national issues. And as much as I would love to, there is no way that I could um, if I get elected, there is no way that I could actually have any say whatsoever what is going on in Parliament um, and Brexit. So I think if 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 somebody and a party is willing to put themselves out there, leaflet all the time, knock on people's doors, get the opinion of, of those residents. I I would like to think that it does make a difference. And personally, for me, um, in, where I live, I feel that if a certain party was to target my house, it would make me more likely to vote for them because it's quite nice knowing that that party is actually out and active, doing things for the community um, and not just letting um your name be on the ballot paper and expecting people to vote for you you've got to work for what you you want um so yeah i would like to like to hope that um people campaigning does make a difference but um then again who knows what what do you think Alan?
2: yeah no i think it does make a difference ultimately
1: um i think
2: particularly doing kind of consistent campaigning um, outside of election time, I think that's really crucial. If um, to, to the public they can see you're not just after their kind of vote at election time and you're not just willing to help them at election time, but you're also really willing to help them at other times throughout the year, I think they're far more likely to vote for you based upon that. Um, and I, I also think that canvassing, i.e., knocking on people's doors, is really, really effective. Um, I think even because you you hear all of these these kind of horror stories about political campaigning, even if you go to a door and, and someone literally slams the door in your face or tells you to, well, I can't repeat what what they say on the radio. But <laughs> if they do that, if you go back to their house the next time you're out, and you knock on their door again, they have a bit of respect for you then for for doing that and for believing in uh, your party and your message and your policy so much that you're willing to go and take another load of flack for it as such. Mm. And and I think that's why kind of political campaigning can be really, really effective. I mean just bringing up kind of horror stories in campaigning. Do you have any to share with us, George?
1: Um, well, I have many to share with you, but but like but like you said as well, kind of I will have to be um careful what I say because um we do get quite a lot of um foul mouths shouting at us yeah. um and so I, one that always sticks in my mind was I got chased down the road um <laughs> by a lady um, I put a leaflet through her door I didn't knock on her door I just simply put a leaflet through her door yeah. um she opened her door shouted at me I won't say what word she called me um and she chased me down the road um and I didn't I didn't realize that this lady was coming after me so I just naturally kind of stepped back and then I realised she was completely targeting me and charged at me practically um, and she threw, she scrunched the leaflet up threw it in my face <laughs> and told me that austerity, rude word really hurts and um, and I, unfortunately, did argue back with her. Um, and then she uh, picked, because I didn't pick the leaflet up, she then picked the leaflet up again and ripped it up in front of me. And she went, you're not going to have my vote. And I just turned around to her and said, I'll put you down as a maybe then. <laughs> so all in all, yeah, it didn't go that well. But there are some, you know, there are so many different stories out there that you, that you could tell. What What is, what is probably the... the biggest abuse you you've got is it have you ever had any threats or chased down the road like i have not really to be honest i mean oh. truth be told i haven't
2: been canvassing loads in my my political campaign it has generally been more um leaflet than anything yeah uh, i have yeah, been yeah, canvassing yeah. a few times but i've never really experienced beyond you know having the door slammed in your face i mean I, I do have a couple of kind of horror stories. One one time um, I knocked on someone's back door and not realising it wasn't the front door, which Cut. isn't the worst thing in the world, but it doesn't look great. The guy didn't mention it, which is the great thing about it. Um, it was only after I got out of the house, I was like, oh, right, there's the front door. Oh, <laughs> nice fine. But I did have someone's letterbox fall off when I was leafless. Oh, my, oh my. God. <laughs> And I just was like, um, I managed to get it attached in the end, again, the letterbox, but I was panicking an awful lot. I mean, I should say that we're obviously showing the worst case scenarios. I think most of the time campaigning is very, um, well, not... So fun might not be the right word, but um, no. it, it's it's pleasant as
1: such. Yeah, um, I would I would just also like to, say, as much as we are saying bad stories around campaigning and and maybe how daunting it can be. Any. Even if um, you are seen out campaigning and someone is shouting at you, that person will then go on to their neighbor and say, oh, did you see, Did you see that awful Tory out? Oh, it was awful. But that neighbor might be a Tory supporter and she'll be like, oh, oh, that's really good. She was out, he was out actually. So, and, you know, I actually think that even if you're getting abused, people will start, will talk that you've been about, even if it's bad or good. And somewhere along that line, you might get a vote out of that.
2: Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. I mean, just kind of going back a bit more to the, to the question at hand, um, so we're talking about whether or not political party campaigns influence the way people vote. I mean, is there a campaign that locally the Conservatives ran that really convinced you that you wanted to join the Conservatives, or was it all decided on kind of national issues for you?
1: <laughs> um i think probably um when it comes to joining a party for me it was probably more more national issues yeah. but if we're going to look at it at a local level i would definitely say um manston airport was a big thing for me i i i i do believe that manston airport should be opened um, and, and for our listeners uh manston airport is a massive Dispute that has been going on within our constituency for a very long time um, about an airport that closed down, and that the Conservatives and other parties are trying to fight to um, get it reopened. So it it is a definitely a a big a big issue, local issue for us. And I do, and that's I think definitely one of the things that took me towards um, the the Tory party for at a local level um, I mean the Lib Dems have always been a very they're very clever in the way they they um, campaign for local issues they always seem to do very well at local issues and they always seem to do very well at, at, at highlighting the issues that everybody else is talking about and and as such they in recent times they have been doing very well in, in by-elections yeah. uh, so is it I pose that question to you as well is it was it local issues that brought you onto the forefront of the liberal Democrats or was it more national issues?
2: Um, uh, national issues ultimately. I mean, I, I think I've, once I've become a member of the liberal Democrats, I've realized how good, um, we are kind of locally, not necessarily in my local area, not, um, no disrespect as such, but, um, some of the things that I've seen we've done, um, across different constituencies across the country are really, really good. And I can see why it's one of our strong points, local politics as such. Uh, but ultimately, it's national issues that mm. really um, drive me in politics, I suppose, or at least in a party politics sense. Um, so, so there was never really that kind of one campaign that, that really stood out to me from a local level i think also the thing that doesn't help for us is that um we we historically haven't done particularly well um or at least for quite some time you know in our local area so kind of the base that we had and the number of people that we had before i joined the party was so low that they were very unlikely to ever kind of reach me as such yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so i i I never really found that a local issue really stood out for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you you think there is – what we are potentially saying here is that if most people, most councillors or candidates that are standing for particular parties um, are those that are firstly or interested within the party for national issues rather than local issues, and do you think that is why – um, in certain areas, independent candidates that aren't standing on a national platform and local platform do so well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah,
2: ultimately why people get involved is because of, of national issues, as you say. And I think independent campaigners are kind of refreshing to a lot of people because of the facts that they... T- are perceived to care more deeply about their community Mm. um so i think that that is a a real factor there i mean do you agree with me there george
1: no i do i do totally agree with you i i I think um in some areas that uh have real big local campaigns and you have an independent that stands just for that campaign that's when you see them do really well
2: yeah definitely Right then, we've reached time to go on to a song break. But before we go on to that, uh, remember to vote on this poll. If a political party campaigns in your area does it make you more likely to vote for them, you can do that at radiocouk forward slash listen. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So to find out the results to that poll, uh, head over to our Twitter page, that's at this radio.
1: Right. OK, so let's move on to our third discussion of this evening. And remember, this discussion is our multi poll question. And we're asking the question, which is the best social media platform? And the options for this poll are Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat or other So social media platforms have been one of the biggest developments in the modern era. Most social media platforms now have become a part of most people's everyday lives. They all try to be individual. But as time has gone on, each platform tries to bring in new updates to outdo the other competitors. Callum and I were wondering, therefore, what you thought was the best platform to use. Um, but first, let's hear Mr. Gurr's opinion. What do you think is the best social media platform out of those options?
2: Um, definitely Twitter, I think, it's the best social media platform. I think its, its strengths are um, kind of keeping up to date with the news. And, and, and I think if you compare Twitter to, to Instagram, Facebook, and to a certain extent, Snapchat. Um, I think with Twitter, um, the kind of USP or the the use of um, Twitter is kind of saying, look what's going on in the world. Whereas if if you compare it to the other platforms, they're look at me, um, and they kind of feed into this comparison of people's lives that um, is one of the negatives of social media um, mm. so I, I think that's why I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Twitter although I do kind of accept it, it's got its problems uh, I mean it's obviously had a huge problem in terms of bots and, and there's kind of rumours that Twitter's been used for kind of Russian interference in, in different elections across the world um, and it's, it's not particularly, I'm not sure if calling it social media is correct for Twitter because it's more of a, I'd say it's more comparable to a, a news publication than anything Twitter, even if, I mean, I know a lot of people don't use it for politics like you and I would, George, but people use it for football to keep up to date with what's happening in football or, or for other sports as well. Um, in yeah. terms of celebrity culture, they use Twitter to keep up to date with the news of what's happening in the celebrity world as such. So I, I'm not sure it is social media, but I obviously understand why it's classed as that. Uh, what's your favourite platform, George?
1: Um, it's really hard for me to um, say which one. I, I probably would have to agree with you and say Twitter. Um, but, I, but I also do... I would just like to to, to point out that um, Callum and I are of the age where we are the generation that saw the, the, the true development of Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You know, we we had phones before. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, um, and, we, and and over time we have seen the, the development of, of those social media platforms. And I do think out of that, the one that has become on top is Twitter in terms that it's a platform that allows you to give your opinion, that it, that it allows you to have a an voice and and allows you to have multiple followers that are from all, all all around the world. Um, whereas Facebook is something you can absolutely broadcast your opinions, but it's more of a focused audience in terms that it is actually people you know that are following you on that. And um, a lot of the times, Facebook is more is just kind of like a catch up, but just just online. Um, and I and I do believe that it it is all of these are trying to outdo themselves. And I remember when I was younger. Um, For me, I would have said Snapchat because Snapchat was what I used most of the time. Um, It was quite new when I started using it. Um, And it was it was something that that, I don't know, everyone was using. So it's what I what we we talked on. It was like the the new BBM, I suppose, or the new S um, MSN. Um, yeah. And but as time has gone on and as I've got older, um, I very, very rarely use Snapchat now. And personally, I feel like all of these um, platforms have tried to be like Twitter in terms that they're trying to bring news articles and and trying to be able to share yourself with the whole world on their platform sites. And personally, for me, Facebook, Snapchat and Instagram isn't the place to do that. They are places that I only want my friends to see what i'm doing um and I, I i don't go on snapchat to look at the news articles i i i, I that's not what a snapchat is there for for me um so i i feel like all of these media platforms are now trying to be outdo the out, outdo each other but in in the wrong way i think they need to realize that they've got a target audience and they need to keep to that target audience as well
2: Yeah, no i i do agree with that i think all of them have got their kind of Functions as such, I mean, just kind of listen them off. Obviously, we've discussed Twitter already, but but Instagram, I think it, you know, the function of that is to to show off the cool photos that you're taking, and and yeah. through the stories function, maybe show a, a slightly less cosmetic um, kind of how you got to those cool photos um, story. Uh, I think on Facebook, it's very much for connecting with real people you actually know, even if there was a tendency when we were in school to just add everyone under the sun. I think (laughs) now um, people do use Facebook in a much more, you know, with its integration with Messenger um, Mm. and I think soon to be WhatsApp um, as well. I think, you know, Facebook is a really good way of keeping in contact with people. And and as much as I am quite critical of Facebook, but it does have its role and you can't almost do without it now. Snapchat showing off the kind of real photos that you've got but also their augmented reality or alternate reality kind of filters and things like that are really state of the art and um i i think snapchat's one to watch because it's been going down in recent years but i think it's back on the rise now because especially it's, it's got now a, a a partnership with amazon as well where you can buy things basically or I believe that will be the plan. You will be able to buy things through the the Snapchat camera, such that so you can literally go, oh, "What's this? Oh, I can put that in my basket," sort of thing. Um, so I think that's mm. really cool. Mm. Um, and just bringing in some of the other ones that what people might be voting for for other. I think there's there's Pinterest, which can be used as kind of like an inspiration mm. board, or there's TikTok as well. I mean, have you heard of TikTok, George?
1: I have. It's an awful site. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's had a few issues lately as well. I mean, some kind of uh, user safety issues as well. But primarily, that's for posting funny videos, kind of similar to Vine, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think they've all got their purpose. I mean, just because uh, I obviously, I work in social media. And um, one of the things that when, when a lot of these people come in and speak to you, the representatives from from these companies, they do say that they're not just social media now. So, uh, I mean, just kind of broadly defining it. I mean, uh, Twitter, as I said, can be seen as more like a news site. But then Snapchat as well, because it opens straight into the camera, there is a kind of argument to be made we should see it as a camera app. Um, Because, I mean, I know our friend Matt, he 100%, he doesn't use his phone's camera anymore. He just uses Snapchat. Um, I mean, do do you yeah. think there's an argument there that they're not really social media? Those two and and Twitter's a news site and Snapchat as a camera app.
1: Um, I mean, firstly, I I want to say that I I actually that's the one downside of Snapchat that when it opens and it's fa- um, facing your your face um, in the morning and it scares the life out of me seeing yeah. my my face. I'm like, oh my word, who is that? Yeah, it's me. All right, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, But I I think that's a really interesting approach. And I've never heard of that approach before. Um, And I think this is what I kind of tried to highlight in the instruction that each platform is trying to be um, an individual within the the market. And I suppose by them um, not taking on the role of a social media platform, but actually a camera app or a news site um, or a social site, by doing that... Um, I think they have a better chance of selling themselves and and, and getting more users for their, their own platforms. Um, But I would never personally, I would never go onto Snapchat to use it as a camera. Um, But for me, that doesn't seem right. But I mean, Twitter, I absolutely do use as a, um, a news site because I sometimes feel that uh, um, news articles are released first on Twitter than they are anywhere else. Um, and I mean, for me, who works in, who I work in politics, um, Laura Kroonsberg is fantastic on Twitter. She's so um, reliant and, and quick on what's going on. She never that, you sleeps, know, I have, does she? <laughs> oh, no, she never sleeps. And I have notifications for her. to So whenever she tweets, I get a notification. And honestly, I she helps me do my job a, a lot, a lot better, I must say. Um, and I mean, I, I use a level of social media in my job as well. You know, my MP, um, my boss, I, I have to. I, I use social media to promote him as well, and it and it is a an area for for promotion. But I I wouldn't necessarily say that it it's. It, I would use certain sites just for the the one thing, like having a camera. But do do you think that that's a a way forward for something like Snapchat just going forward as a camera um, focus site?
2: Um, I think still the kind of social media elements of it, i.e. the messaging are are really crucial Um, but I think where they can get more of a USP is in being more like a camera app as opposed to to social media because they're they're being outflanked increasingly by Instagram now Yeah. Um, I mean if you look at stories first institutes on Snapchat, now on Instagram, most people use it on Instagram as opposed to Snapchat or at least certainly in our generation as such um, and I think for Twitter, yes, I would say that is probably the most natural fit in saying it is a news site, but obviously it is social media to a certain extent as well. I mean, just one very quick question, George, um, because there's a lot of talk about, about Facebook and people's public perceptions of Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg are not exactly complimentary a lot of the time. Um But I think one of the things that people don't know is that
1: Instagram is owned
2: by Facebook. I mean, was that something you were aware of, George?
1: Yeah, no, I I have. I have heard of that. Um, But I don't think it would necessarily um, put people off using um, Instagram just because it is linked to Facebook and everything. Um, I think because it is such a different site compared to Facebook that people are still happy to use Instagram, even though it has that link to Facebook. What do you think?
2: Um, I think the people that would have been put off Facebook because of the data safety concerns are likely to know that Instagram is owned by Facebook anyway. So, so yeah. they wouldn't be on Instagram altogether because of, the, of those sorts of things. Um, but I do think um, that there is a lack of awareness of the fact that Instagram is owned by Facebook and WhatsApp owned by Facebook as well.
1: Absolutely. Um, quickly, before we move on to the next uh, song break, who do you think will come out on top in this poll?
2: Um, I think Instagram will come out on top because it's, oh. you know it's a very for 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 young people it's a really uh, popular platform to do things and there's a bit the trouble with Facebook is everyone's nans on there and stuff like that. No offence, Nan, who might listen although they're on holiday, so I might be okay um but um whereas on instagram you you don't have as as much of that and you don't have all of the comments from all your family which is a young person can get really annoying and i have told them that so i'm not just kind of being <laughs> being rude uh what about you george
1: um, yeah, I, th- I think Twitter's going to be on top, to be you. I think it's it's a more kind of generalised thing that people use. So I, I am going to put my faith in Twitter. Um, right, and remember to vote on this question uh, which is the best social media platform? And the options for that are Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, or other. And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash We'll be back very soon. And welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, which is the best social media platform? And to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page. That's at Wiz Radio.
2: Right then, time to move on to our fourth discussion of this evening. And we are asking, has smoking become unfashionable? So back when smoking first became a popular habit amongst the nation and, and the world, really, it was depicted as being a fashionable thing to do. Big-name stars like James Stewart, Marilyn Monroe and James Dean were often seen with cigarettes, adding to its fashion appeal. Nowadays, the reality, you could argue, is very different, especially with the plain packaging with visible health warnings uh, on all cigarettes, certainly in the UK. So, George, as a smoker, (laughs) do you (laughs) think smoking has become unfashionable. I have to say it, George, I had to just get it on now.
1: That Cards on the table. I was going to say, thanks for letting all the uh, listeners know that I, I'm a smoker. I mean, if, if, if listeners uh, are, are, are old listeners, they'll remember when um, James announced that I was a vapor, but I, unfortunately I've gone back to the, uh, the dark side and, and started smoking. <laughs> um, I definitely do think that smoking has become unfashionable nowadays. Um, I think people, People don't like the smell of them they don't it's not very it's not a very attractive look people that are smoking um and vaping is now the new thing to do um i think vaping is the cool thing to do you know how big a cloud can you get out of your mouth can you blow <laughs> rings and everything like that whereas i mean as much as i i will say as a smoker myself i i don't enjoy the fact that i am a smoker but i enjoy smoking which is the most peculiar thing in the world but it is how it is um but I don't, I don't I don't smoke because I think I'm fashionable. I smoke because I ha- get a level of enjoyment out of it. I, It, it distresses me. It makes it normalizes me as well. Um, so that is why I smoke. But I definitely do think that the idea of smoking as a fashion um, idea is definitely something that starts a lot of people smoking off to, to fit in, to seem cool. Um, so. But nowadays, I feel like vaping is has replaced that. So I think vaping is now the the cool thing to do with with to get down with the kids. Um, but what do you think, Adam? Um I mean, you're pretty uncool, and you're not a smoker. So what does that mean? <laughs>
2: uh, it means that I, I don't know how to answer that, George. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that smoking is still seen as fashionable as such as in um, I think it's seen as a really good way of rebelling against the system um, and it's kind of less mainstream and I think for for kids especially um, that's a really important thing because you want you naturally want to break free of what kind of your parents have done and your siblings have done um, so I think people see smoking as a, as a way of doing that uh, and, I mean, ultimately, I think that's the wrong attitude to have, um, but I do think it still is seen as fashionable in those terms, but of course there is also a real perception of, as you said, like the smell and having disgusting teeth, and I could go on with the problems with smoking, so don't smoke, listeners. <laughs> um but I, I think as well with, it is interesting bringing in vaping but I, I think the trouble with vaping as such is uh, and why it hasn't replaced smoking, and I would disagree with you in that, um, is that I don't think it's damaging enough, if that makes sense so therefore it's not seen as rebellious to vape um, whereas for, for, a, um, for a kid sort of thing Um, smoking is seen as more of a path to rebellion as such and just showing um, that you want to kind of tread new ground and be more of a a trailblazer i mean just kind of going really really far back george uh, just before we go on to the break um to, to when you first started smoking was it because of that rebellion factor or what was the reason for you why you did start smoking in the first place
1: Um, I think it was to, it definitely wasn't a rebellion. In fact, I mean, I'm probably the the last person to try and rebel. Mm. Um, But I I definitely, I think for me, it was to try and fit in. Um, I was a social smoker and then it kind of developed into smoking a lot. And, you know, I've been smoking now for, God, seven years nearly. Um, So it's, it's quite a, I'm not proud of it. I'm definitely not and, yeah. and i will i will i will try and quit again i promise i'll do yeah. you all proud no Are i'll just say this if if this poll i'm going to put this on the line if this poll gets um 80 to say that it's unfashionable i will quit smoking
2: okay very very interesting it makes it yeah very very interesting to see what happens there <laughs> i had a question to ask you which is why i'm mumbling my lines but I can't remember for the life of me what it was George because of that last bit it's really it's thrown me off because that's you know very exciting so vote away guys Um, (laughs) so yeah we've reached the time to go on to our final song break but remember to vote on this poll has smoking become unfashionable and you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and we'll be back very soon Hello and welcome back. So before the break we asked, has smoking become unfashionable? And to find out the results to that, poll, head over to our Twitter page, that's at WizRadio. Unfortunately, we've reached the time to end this evening's show, but thanks very
1: much for listening to To Be
2: Discussed with Puffinger. We hope you've enjoyed this
1: episode. As mentioned earlier for the first segment of next week's show we'd like to hear your thoughts on the question in local elections do you vote upon which do you vote upon what each party is doing nationally or locally and why? Uh, you can do that by sending us an email to station at uk or through twitter that's at WizRadio. radio so remember that question is in local elections do you vote upon what each party is doing nationally or locally and why and we're really looking forward to hearing um, your opinions next week but for now it is time for Callum and I to be leaving so as always I have been the smoking George Lawrence Cup and I have been the not smoking Callum thanks very much for listening guys
2: we'll be back next week for more discussions and of course some very bad puns goodbye guys ciao for now
0: plus.